0: Hi, my name is Danielle, and you're listening to Crime and Mystery Canada. On this podcast, we discuss subjects that might be creepy to some and sometimes even frightening. Some of our episodes will deal with serious subject matter, while others will be more lighthearted. Please keep in mind that I am not an expert on any of the topics I cover, just an interested party, and as always, listener discretion is advised. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. I'm Danielle. And I'm Michelle. And you're listening to Crime and Mystery Canada. So, we're back for part two of our episode on the missing and murdered women of Edmonton, Alberta. We left off last week discussing how the remains of five First Nations women were discovered in proximity to one another in the area of Leduc, Alberta. When the last two victims' remains were located in 2015, The police did admit that they might have a serial killer on their hands. They weren't ruling it out. It
1: sounds like a possibility at this point.
0: For sure. But They also said that one of the people they suspected for these murders might already be behind bars. So who are they talking about? Have you ever heard of Thomas Zvekla?
1: No, I haven't.
0: I'd never heard of him prior to researching this episode. He's currently behind bars for what we believe is an unrelated murder. In 2006 Zvekla was charged with the murder of Teresa Innes and the murder of Rachel Quinney. Zvekla who was 38 at the time of his arrest was a mechanic. He was visiting his sister in Fort Saskatchewan one day and he dropped off a hockey bag in her garage. So he told his sister that this bag was full of compost and worms. If there were ever any words to set off the biggest series of alarm bells, I think he just spoke them there.
1: Yeah, that pretty much sounds ridiculous and awful. Like, right? who does that?
0: So his sister was worried and suspicious, and she decided to look inside the bag. Oof she found the body of Teresa Innes, who was wrapped in plastic and wires and a deflated air mattress.
1: That is horrifying.
0: According to a 2010 CTV News article, Zvekla had befriended Teresa in 2006 and the two had been seen together in bars and a friend had reported that he'd seen them smoking crack together. Teresa Innes was involved in sex work In March of 2006, Teresa's mother had reported her missing. And then in May, that's when Svekla's sister discovered her body. When Svekla was arrested, he said that he was innocent in one breath, and then in the next one, he said that he was a serial killer. But according to a 2008 CBC article, He ended up being found guilty of Teresa's murder, and originally he was sentenced to 17 years in prison. Basically what seems to have happened was that he killed Teresa, stored her in a freezer for five months, and then brought her to his sister's property in that hockey bag. Wow. After he was found guilty of killing Teresa, her son remembered her as a very kind person, who would never forget to call him for any special occasion uh, that went on in his life. Svekla was also charged with the murder of 19-year-old Rachel Quinney. Rachel Quinney's remains had been found by Svekla in a wooded area east of Edmonton in June of 2004. According to a Globe and Mail article from 2008, Svekla was the one who discovered the body in the field. In his words, he just stumbled upon it. He'd been investigated originally when he found the body, not charged at that time. And then when he went to trial for the murder, basically the judge said there really wasn't any evidence other than him finding the body, which really, I guess, doesn't really work as evidence, right? It just places him on that scene. Um, So there was no evidence that he had committed the murder. So he was acquitted on that charge but there was another trial and i didn't find out what happened with this one but he was also facing charges of sexual assault and uttering threats towards another woman
1: so i wonder what happened where they would assume or not assume but accuse him of murder for finding the body like there must there must have been something weird or it was in a spot where nobody would be normally
0: I think anytime someone finds a body, they'll end up being questioned, and I do think Svekla also had possibly other criminal charges, so there were suspicions there. They did question him, but no extra evidence came forward, so they couldn't charge him with the crime, but they remained suspicious. So I, I think when he was finally charged with Teresa Innes' death, they also decided to charge him with Rachel Quinney's death as well okay is my understanding because I think the judge said you can't pin everything on him like just because he killed one person doesn't mean he killed everyone essentially like you do need the evidence
1: right I guess I mean it would make me feel pretty suspicious though that you killed somebody and oh remember that time where you found that body I mean my suspicions are
0: pretty high but if there's no right. evidence court of law is still a thing right
1: Oh, I know, I'm just saying it makes sense to me that that they would be suspicious of the first findings.
0: So Thomas Svekla was the first person to be charged under the CARE task force, which had been investigating the death and disappearance of 20 women in the downtown Edmonton area since 1983. The judge who sentence, Svekla, said that he believed beyond a reasonable doubt that Svekla had killed Teresa, but there wasn't enough evidence to find him guilty for Rachel Quinney's death. For the scope of this episode, I'm not going to get into a lot of information about what happened to Rachel. It is pretty, very gruesome, and there are several other names associated with Svekla where he has been... I don't think an official suspect, but that police would have been interested in finding out more uh, about whether or not he may have something to do with it. Svekla once referred to himself as the Robert Picton of Alberta.
1: Wow. I don't think you'd want to, you wouldn't want to call yourself that unless you actually like what you're doing.
0: Right. So if you're not familiar with Robert Picton, he was a man from British Columbia who's suspected of being responsible for, I think he was charged with the death of six women, but he's suspected to have killed between like six and 49 or something like that.
1: Oh yeah. Like it was like dozens and dozens and dozens of women. Yeah.
0: Again, Svekla just had this tendency to say, no, I didn't do anything and then turn around and compare himself to one of Canada's most notorious serial killers. Yeah. That's sick just in general. Right in 2010, Svekla was actually deemed a dangerous offender. A judge found that he'd been responsible for harming many people, and in that trial, like there were crimes going back to when he was just a teenager where he would like attack and attempt to rape women, and he'd made very little progress. Towards
1: his rehabilitation over the years he'd been in prison. And the thing is, too, it takes a lot for somebody to be named a dangerous offender. Like, we're talking, like, multiple, multiple occasions of violence and sexual assaults and repeated assaults on many people. Like, it's not not something that they just throw around.
0: And I have... I have a theory as to why it was pushed forward with him, because he was only charged, only, it sounds ridiculous to be saying that, but he was only charged with one murder in this case, but they did find, and I don't even know if he was charged with the other assaults and rapes that they talked about, or they were just putting it forward as evidence as to why he should be considered a dangerous offender. But I suspect that they think he committed way more crimes than, and I mean, I don't even suspect it. It's written down in several articles that they think he might be responsible for many more crimes. So I think, I think the powers that be want him behind bars indefinitely. And that's sort of what happens when you are a deemed a dangerous offender. Yeah.
1: It's the only way that you're going to be followed for life for real in Canada.
0: Right. So according to a CTV News article, they were saying that about seven years into your sentence, you'd finally be able to appear before the parole board. And then and then in increments after that, you'd get reevaluated, but you get followed for the rest of your life, essentially. They were saying that according to that same article, the odds of a dangerous offender ever being released are quite
1: slim. It's, yeah, because they're, they're proven to be a risk to reoffend. Right, and that they won't rehabilitate. Right.
0: And I guess that makes sense as to why it's difficult to get that label on someone because it means a lot.
1: Yeah, around here it's definitely like you have to have done many grotesque crimes, basically very violent, many sexual assaults, violent sexual assaults. That's that's basically the only people that I've ever heard of dangerous offenders. So
0: the reason we're talking about him in this same episode as we were discussing those missing and, well, those murdered women, is that in several articles that I read, they keep mentioning him as a person of interest or, or a suspect. So one article mentioned that he was a suspect in Edna Bernard and Sylvia Ballantyne's murders. In another article that I read mentioned that he was a suspect in both Corey and Dolores' uh, murders. So a lot of the women that had been missing around the Edmonton area, his name is attached to their cases. But that being said, it's really important to remember Amber Tucaro because she went missing in 2010. And Svekla was in jail when she went missing. So he can't possibly be responsible for her death. And all those women's remains are found in close proximity to one another. So, I mean, it could mean one of several things. None of them good, though. Because it could mean that Svekla's involved with some of them or none of them. Couldn't it mean that he's working with somebody else that just kept going, though? That's exactly right. Like, it would mean that there's... There's someone else involved in this.
1: Or he might be one of those people that just want to have the glory and didn't even do any of them.
0: That's true. He might not have done any of them, but that means there's still someone out there that has, or multiple someones out there that did this. Right. Which I think is even more terrifying. According to an article I read in The Atlantic, serial killers or serial killings make up about 2% of murders that are committed. So it's hard for me to believe that two of them are using the
1: same grounds. In the same area. Right. In the same time. Like, yeah, that would be a little far-fetched.
0: It kind of reminds me of the Long Island serial killer case. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Uh, I'm not sure. They found the remains of multiple uh, sex workers in like an empty field or an empty lot in Long Island. And that's the same thing. Like they think it might be a serial killer or it might be more than one. And just the idea that more than one person is using that same area, especially if they're not working together, is just completely terrifying. Like one is terrifying, but multiple is just, it sends your brain into a spiral.
1: Yeah, the only way that I could see it really happening if there's two different people is if it's literally the only remote area nearby that would make them want to you know hide people in the same spot
0: right i don't feel like that would be the case in like the outskirts of edmonton though
1: no not there for sure
0: uh long island i'm not familiar with enough to neither am i to say either way if there'd be like multiple empty lots or not but and i guess there's also the case of that 17 minute recording that the police have of the person that could potentially be Amber Tuccaro's killer. And it's hard not to think of him or of that voice as that person because if it was just someone who'd picked her up completely unrelated to her death, why haven't they come forward?
1: Right, yeah, you would think they would have come forward, but at the same time, if somebody's missing and even if you didn't do it, it would be pretty scary to come forward because, I mean, you'd get looked at. True, that's a good point. As a person of interest, at least.
0: Yeah. According to a 2015 CBC article, though, the site where Amber's remains were found would be about 17 minutes away from where she was picked up. So it's possible that the person on the call is not the person who killed her, but it's still a very, I think it would be very important to get in touch with them. Um, They're definitely a person of interest. So the police have received tips in relation to this recording. In the same 2015 CBC article, three women come forward and identify the voice of the person they think is on the recording. The police did look into it, but ultimately cleared this person. Recently, someone else has come forward saying that the voice recording was the voice of his father. He also implicated his father in multiple other disappearances in the area, But the police actually came forward because this was being like plastered over social media and things like that. And the police came forward and according to a global news article, they said that they're looking into the allegations. But they're also telling the public, like, be careful about erroneous information that's put out there. Just because one person is saying this doesn't mean it's true. This man has already made accusations against his father before, and some of the cases that he's saying his father's involved in have actually been solved. So we kind of have to leave that in the hands of the police. Right. And they are saying that they're investigating the tip, and whatever actions they need to take, they will. Unfortunately, in Amber's case, the investigation from the beginning wasn't handled very well, and the police have admitted and apologized for this, though I think for the family it was... The apology didn't feel sincere for them. Too little, too late. Right, right. So, I mean, the harm had already been done. Amber's family is not giving up on trying to solve her case. And all of the other women we've talked about as well, they have loved ones out there that are still waiting for answers. In August of 2020, Amber's family held basically like a vigil called an angelversary for her. And their cry was that there would be no more stolen sisters and there seems to have been too many like i i I know there's been i know there's been task force and things like that to try and help solve all these murders but it just doesn't seem to go anywhere
1: yeah it seems like the number is never ending like you I keep hearing about new cases constantly. I have noticed, though, that people are really working to put a lot of attention on there. Like A lot of projects with the red dresses and that kind of thing have been popping up everywhere.
0: What's the project with the red dresses?
1: Well, I've just seen, um, I follow um, a page on Facebook about the same thing, like No More Missing Sisters. And I've noticed that different places they'll set up like, kind of like not really a booth but like just uh, they'll put up some red dresses just so people will go talk to them and get some information and just for the public to realize how big the numbers are and how big of a problem it is.
0: So to raise awareness essentially.
1: Right yeah exactly.
0: If you have any information on any of these cases or believe you might know the voice of the person on the Recording with Amber, please contact your local police detachment to be pointed in the right direction of who you should be talking to. You can also always call Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-8477. The number for the care unit is 780-995-5273. I feel like I barely scratched the surface on all of the information related to the missing and murdered women in the Edmonton area. I had like, at one point I had about 25 tabs open on my computer and kept going back and forth and it was really hard not to get going down like a rabbit hole on one case or on a tangent on another. There's so much information available in bits and pieces out there.
1: Well it's because the numbers are so incredibly high.
0: Exactly. Um, I decided that I would be talking about project care in a separate episode. So if it's not next week, it'll probably be within the next two or three weeks to kind of have everything fresh in everyone's mind. They were the ones responsible in trying to help find out what had happened to all these missing and murdered women from the downtown Edmonton area. The project doesn't quite exist like it used to and we'll discuss that on that episode, but they did have a mandate to try and prevent and solve all those murders from the downtown Edmonton area. It does seem that there's either a serial killer out in the Edmonton area that has yet to be caught, or multiple people preying on vulnerable women. Like we said, either one of those scenarios is completely terrifying. All these women that we talked about today share a similar profile. They're indigenous, they're First Nations, and they were seen hitchhiking. I guess they all had reasons at the time to get into cars with strangers because they worked in the sex trade or just because they needed a ride somewhere, and it was the way that they usually... um, the way they usually went about it. Let's not forget about these women. They were vulnerable and they were preyed upon, and someone needs to talk about them and keep them in the forefront of everyone's minds until these crimes can be solved.
1: Yeah, I think that, just think that the more people talk about it, the more people will become aware of uh, how big of a problem this has been and how it's been kind of like tucked under a rug for so many years. Exactly.
0: So as always, we're going to be finishing up tonight with our moment of kindness, and you had something to share?
1: Yeah, it's just a small thing, but I just kind of, it came to mind. So on Valentine's Day, I was at this flower shop with two of my kids. My daughter went to the washroom, and when we came out, a lady there had given my son a rose to give to his little sister, and it just totally made her day like she was just like i didn't know i was gonna get flowers today Uh (laughs) and it was it was pretty cute i mean she she was just so thrilled with this getting this one flower and the lady was really pleased as well so it just kind of made made everybody's day that's a sweet story yeah it was pretty cute she still has the flower (laughs) it's a little wilted (laughs) i'm sure it is
0: If you listened to the second part of this episode on Patreon, thanks for joining us. If you're interested, come find us on Patreon. We already have a couple of episodes up, and we'll be putting some extra content out every month for you to listen to. We'll be covering some breaking cases, reviewing true crime books, documentaries, and TV shows, and uh, possibly much more as suggestions or ideas come along. You can find us at Crime and Mystery Canada on Patreon and on Instagram. We have a Facebook group of the same name, and you can also write to us at crimeandmysterycanada at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Have a good night and stay safe out there. Good night, everyone.